0: And welcome in to Life Planning 101 right here on KETX. KWBY, Terry Slavins with you and joined, as always, by Angela Kennedy Robinson. Good morning, Angela. Good Monday morning. And you have got a mouthful today, or you're going to get an earful today. I'm going to give you a mouthful, I guess. <laughs> you know, I, I think there are people that just listen to the show to see how many things I can mess up in one week. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of my M.O., But no, it's it's a really great show. I'm really excited. I was sitting down with a lady uh, last week and her husband, and we were talking about, you know, what we call living legal documents, documents that you need when you're not um, dead. (laughs) There's still documents that you need in case something happens. And, you know, she was talking about the fact that she was trying to get something done with the FSA, and they're in a partnership with the mother that's in a nursing home, probably can't even sign her name, and the FSA won't accept the mother's durable power of attorney. Did you not? FSA. So this is part of our government, right? Part right. of the USDA, right? You know, all these programs to be able to help and support farmers and ranchers. And I said, really? I said, you know, I'm not surprised by this because... We've been talking about this a long time and we're learning more and more and more that if you are tied to a government entity in any way or fashion, and you have money coming from that government program or from that government entity, that they're most likely not going to accept your durable power of attorney. And so I've got two charges for people today. Number one, we're gonna get edumacated, okay? Number two, write your Senator, your Congress, your representative, you know, write them and let them know this is an issue. Because I think people are finding out too little too late. And just like in this case, this is no joke. The government actually told her, well, can you go in there and at least hold her hand and help her sign it? Really? Yes. So what good is it, right? What (laughs) is the actual point? I mean, she's better off using that power of attorney because that power of attorney is sound to mind. So, you know, it, goes, it takes me back to um, this time I heard about these three contractors, and they were bidding to fix a broken fence at the White House. Now, one of these guys was from Chicago, another from Tennessee, and a third from Minnesota. And all three have gone to examine the fence, and the Minnesota contractor takes out his little tape measure, and he does some measuring, and then he works some figures with the fence and he says, you know, I figure the job is going to run about 900 bucks, 400 for the materials, 400 for my crew. and." $100 profit for me. The Tennessee contractor also does the measuring and figuring. He says, well, I think I can do this job for $700, $300 for the material, $300 for my crew, and $100 profit for me. The Chicago contractor doesn't measure or figure, but he leans over to the White House official and whispers, $2,700. The official, in incredulous says, uh, you didn't even measure like the other guy. How did you come up with such a high figure? And the Chicago contractor whispers back, "A thousand for me, a thousand for you," and we hire the guy from Tennessee to fix the thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is how the government is ran, right? Right, right. <laughs> no matter which, aisle, which side of the aisle you sit on, we're all in agreement that our politicians are just full of it. So, write them, tell them, this is crazy. This is absolutely nuts. And uh, you know, it takes me back. There's a saying of that goes around, what you don't know can't hurt you, what you always hear. Well, actually, I think Socrates had it a little closer. He said, you don't know what you don't know, and he left it at that. Because right. Because it's often those things that you don't know that you don't know that actually end up biting you in the rear by the time it's all said and done. And, you know, it took me, and I, I've, been, I've heard stories, you know, we, we get to hear from our clients when we share the good stories with them and we get to hear stories. Uh, things they had to experience, and one of the worst of all was a niece of a, an aunt that had come into our office, and we were, again, talking about the importance of these living legals, and she mentioned that her aunt had lived up in Wisconsin, and she had developed Alzheimer's disease, and really, no one knew it, because if you know Alzheimer's, right, then you know that sometimes the people that catch those types of things first are people that are helping them with their bills or banking or financial advisors, not the family, because family just talks casual conversation. So she developed Alzheimer's disease. The family didn't know anything about it. And Wisconsin appointed a a judge that had appointed this aunt's neighbor to act as her durable power of attorney and medical power of attorney because she was always there for her, and didn't even notify the extended family member. So after two years in this authoritative position, that neighbor had purchased a second home in North Carolina, and a lot of other luxuries, and shrunk the estate of her aunt from over $2 million to less than $500,000 before they found out. Wow. Wow. Yes. Wow is right. So. When we say legal documents aren't just for dying, we mean it. And when we say well, you don't know what you don't know and it's what you don't know that you don't know that can end up biting you or biting your family, you mean we mean it. it. Yeah. <laughs> so when we come back right here in Life Planning 101, we're going to get educated as far as what documents do you need? Because obviously it's not as simple as you thought. And segment two, Life Planning 101, right here on KTX k y Angela has some great information about living documents. Yes, this is right. You know, we always think about legal documents. First thing that comes up when, in people's minds, well, I guess depending if you're not a business owner and you're not thinking about um, if you need an entity, but most of the time, people shuffle in their head, oh, my estate plan, my will, my trust, those types of things, so they forget that, you know, yes, although those are important documents and they help avoid a lot of costs and a lot of time, they may not even be the most important documents because what happens if you get hit by a bus and you're out of commission for two months and you don't have one of these documents, who's going to be able to manage your finances for you and take care of things and make sure things are getting paid and that your credit doesn't get? or that something doesn't get repossessed. And a lot of people say, well, can't my spouse do that? Well it depends. If their name is on those accounts, then yes, most likely. Maybe not, depending on that title thing okay, of the account. But not necessarily. You know, if I now the way I always explain this to people is like, have you ever called into your satellite T V provider and your spouse's name is on the account and they won't talk to you. No matter what, they won't talk to you. It's the most frustrating thing in the world. (laughs) You're like, I'm the one that pays the bill. Why won't you talk to me? Because Brett Robbins' name is on the account. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So I have to get Brett on the phone. gives me permission to talk to him. Well, this is why. That's what that is, is that if you don't have your name on the account, you have to have that durable, I'm giving you the first one here, durable power of attorney in place and actually you can have a general power of attorney in place most attorneys will recommend a durable power of attorney for you a general power of attorney is automatically withdrawn when you lose capacity so durable stays in place and that's extremely important for you to know and it's critical now going back to the conversation that we had earlier it reminds me when i was a kid i was scared of the dark and then when i grew up i got my first electricity bill Now I'm a spirit of life, right? (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of like this with the government. It's so overwhelming that you don't even know what you don't know. You don't know what you should have. So here's what I would recommend. I would recommend making a list of every tie that you have to a um, government entity. So, for example, if you're a farmer and rancher and you receive uh, payment for uh, various agriculture grants or um, benefits. Write down those entities in which you receive those grants. Because as we talked about just beginning of the show, the FSA, we found out, has their own power of attorney. And in fact, I will give you that form number. It is FSA-211. I looked it up to find out, yes, you do have to have it. <laughs> they won't accept that durable power of attorney. Pretty crazy. What about your Social Security, your IRS? These are things that people don't think about. They think, well, I have no government ties. Well, if you're receiving Social Security, or going to be receiving Social Security, yes, you do have a government tie. If you're not receiving Social Security, it's probably, or going to receive Social Security, probably because you're gonna get railroad benefits, or you're gonna get teachers retirement, or state, county, government entities retirement. And because of those, same thing applies, same thing. So whoever you're getting those retirement payments from, make sure that you're finding out what is the form that's available. And, and the reason this power of attorney isn't important, and I'll just kind of back up and give you a little personal story. This is when we started to figure out there was a real problem. My grandmother went into care and she was down in Kerrville, Texas. And my mom had a big to do with, you know, helping keep all the finances in order and things during that time. Well. She was with a local bank down there. And we were gonna change her bank because obviously we live three hours away. Wouldn't it have been nice to have it in our town to be able to accommodate that a little easier since it was a local bank? So first things first, call the Social Security Administration to try to get the payment. Guess what? Couldn't Can't do, do it. it. Yeah. Not even with that durable power of attorney. you got to be kidding me. Yes, this is accurate. So. You know, you think that, oh, it's fine. I've got that verbal power of attorney. Oh, why would I even need it? I mean, once my benefits are in place, it's not really like anybody needs to be contacting them. Well, it could be, and it's extremely important that you have that in place. So I've done a little bit of um, extracurricular, I guess you could say, for the show today because I wanted people to know, and especially with the Social Security power of attorney, it's not just as simple as get your Social Security power of attorney. This... (laughs) There's actually like three or four. <laughs> so you start looking through the list, you're like, well, which one of these do I need? And it took us a while to decipher. We actually called the Social Security Administration, did the research on it. And the one that you're looking for is what's called an advanced designation of representative pay Again, that's a that's mouthful, isn't it? Advanced designation of Re- representative pay So this designation it actually allows you to designate up to three people who could serve as a representative, i.e. for you if the need were to arise. So that's if you became incapable to manage or direct others to manage things on your behalf so that they can make sure that you're getting the benefits where you want that and you have someone trusted, you know, that you trust to be able to do that. So the other thing is you can, you'll actually get every year they'll send out a form that shows you who that designate is for you. And you can obviously withdraw that at any time or replace that person. And you can submit it various ways. So there's no, no easy way. Again, we're dealing with government here. But if you're applying for benefits, my recommendation to you is do it the time you apply for your benefits. You can also do it through electronic submission. If you've got a social security account, you can actually go in and, and submit it. And again, you're looking for that advanced designation of representative payee. Um, you can do it by telephone or in person or in writing or however you want, but it's extremely important. And I'd say this is even more critical for those people that are not married. You're on your own, and someone else would be that durable power of attorney for you because most likely you would need bank accounts changed and things like that. So, again, what you don't know, what you don't know is the things that'll hurt you. IRs, let's talk about that for a second because. This is one that everybody, most everybody deals with and it's extremely important as well. So the IRS uh, is a little less confusing from the security department. They've only got two forms rather than a bunch. So there's two that are really important and I, I encourage people to speak with their tax professional that's actually filing your taxes about both of these. So there's a form that allows People to be like a representative for you with the IRS. And they can talk to the IRS. You know, they can uh, deal with the IRS on any matter. And then there is a form to allow someone just to receive information from the IRS. Okay, so this is where it becomes really incumbent to talk to tax professional. I mean, most likely what they're going to tell you, what we've been seeing, is that the form to actually talk to the IRS and act as you, probably needs to be that tax professional in most cases. The form to receive information may be the same person as your durable power of attorney. So it's really important that you talk to your tax professional. The other thing is, this is crazy. (laughs) After seven years, if you haven't already ended this authorization, the IRS is going to automatically end it for you. Hmm. So my question is always this. What if someone has a um, cognitive disorder for longer than seven years? They're going to have a real problem with it. So when I say this president, this this whole you know radio show today is twofold. I mean it. We're not just giving you the information. Write your congressman about this. This is absolutely crazy. In fact, you know what I'm going to do for all of our listeners? We're actually going to put out a format letter that you can use to send it out to your congressman because this needs to be an issue that's brought up. It's just not reasonable. And this is too important of the things to not be reasonable. So we're going to have more on legal documents that aren't just for dying when we come back right here on Life Planning 101. Final segment, Life Planning 101, right here on KETX, Y. Angela? Yes, living legals and uh, how important they are. And if you've missed the first part of the show, I highly encourage you to go back and uh, Listen to this again. We're airing, of course, on Saturday morning. Um, You can also find us on basically any podcast out there, um, iHeartRadio, iTunes, any else. Uh, Just Google, like, Planning 101, and One, will pop up. But this is way too important for everybody because everybody's tied to uh, the government one way or another. And we mentioned how a durable power of attorney does not cover the things that you think it covers. And uh, also the importance of being able to write your congressmen and your representatives on this matter because it's it's really important but I want to switch gears on these living legals for a second I want to talk about another story and this was a you know a story that I was actually telling the story about the the lady in, in Wisconsin that her neighbor took her for what she had and she gave me another story she said she had a family member that had the same type of situation with her grandmother except she was on six after 16 months of life support, uh, one of her aunts was actually named by the court to take care of everything, and decided for the mother that she wouldn't want to live like that, and told the doctors to end it. Well, the daughters weren't involved, and they wanted to keep the mother alive, and it was in court over it during this whole time. Like they for the whole 16 months, they sat there and fought and the mother ended up dying of pneumonia before the court could reach a decision. But here we are sitting here, I gosh, I, I don't know, it's been 10, 12 years since this event, and those two sisters still aren't speaking today. Wow. Yeah, so, you know, gosh, what, I mean, you know, we always talk about having good Christmases and Thanksgivings after you're gone, and maybe even while you're still alive. And, you know, I was having a very somber conversation about this a couple weeks ago with some people in their 60s and they were you know they're young they're healthy and um, they don't know what they don't know and they're thinking well if I end up you know putting DNR on my form you know I'm still young I still recover from that well and that is true you know there's a lot of literature and research behind that that we've read and then you know, the older you get the harder that becomes to have any quality of life after something like that happens, and, you know, what is that cutoff point? What shouldn't be done? What needs to be done? And those are some, gosh, those are some heavy conversations. And I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all. I think it's a conversation that you need to have God, a conversation you need to have with your spouse, and definitely your children, all at the same time once you do make the decision you know, it might be a conversation to have with your minister and, or your, you know, whoever it is, is your spiritual leader in faith or, you know, your doctors or whatever. And, and, you know, what I find about doctors today, and I don't know if it's because there's just so many lawsuits out there or I don't know. I don't know what's happened, but it's changed. You know, when we were in the hospital with my uh, grandfather, they should have just came out and said he's not going to have any quality of life. And they never did that. And it was very disappointing because that's what a doctor should do is tell us the truth right from the get-go. And, you know, I think it's really important that you have those hard conversations with your doctor that I want the straight-up truth. You know, with my health conditions, with I've got going on, if something happened to me, what would my quality of life be like? And really have those serious conversations because the more you can plan for your family, the better you're going to leave your family. The more you leave in the hands of your family, the more risk you take. Sure. Yeah. So, And that's a tough one. So let's talk about these two documents that are so critical. And, yes, there are two. A lot of people don't realize this. They think that pulling the plug, and, and technically I guess there's three you counted do not resuscitate the DNR, but, you know, a lot of people think there's just one. They just need that living will, that directive to physicians, which is the situation we're, we're talking about with this mother that, You know, was she supposed to be taking off life support? And, you know, we've seen it, too, where that clause is read that you had to have two doctor's opinions, and we've watched a family suffer because they waited another six months for a second opinion that came out just to be same. So (laughs) I don't think there's a perfect answer. I think it's really something that you have to put a lot of thought to, but you need to have it, Um, and your kids need you to have it. And more importantly, they need you to have the document and then to tell them all at the same time, not separately, not in different places. They need to hear you say at the same time what your wishes are. And let's talk about the second document, the medical power of attorney. So this is what people don't realize. This really has nothing to do with the the living will unless you couple them, unless you make it the medical powers of attorney's decision to enact that living will literature. So, that medical power of attorney is just someone that can make medical decisions for you in the event of capacity. So, again, you get hit by that Mack truck, you end up just fine, but who's going to tell the doctors, okay, you've given me two options for surgery, who's going to give them the go-ahead on that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people, I think when they name these people, especially like the durables and medicals and all these they just start going from their oldest kid down. And that's not always the logical thing to do, because their oldest kid may not be the most emotionally stable child that you have in fact none of your children may be emotionally stable enough to make those kind of decisions for you also you have to think about location i mean where are you spending your time where do you live you know is that power of attorney someone that is close to you and could be there quickly we've seen that happen we actually had someone had a power of attorney for their daughter lives in seattle and she couldn't get there in time to make medical decisions And thank goodness there was a backup medical power of attorney on there that was local. Right. So it's really important to think about that. I mean, if you have two homes, you probably want to have a medical power of attorney in each of those locations, you know, alternate or first alternate or second alternate. So, um, but that's someone that that could make those decisions for you. And we just forget how important those documents are. So I told you it's going to be a mouthful, right? (laughs) (laughs) There's so much information out there. And, If you choose to stay in the dark about it, if you choose to be under the mantra that what you don't know can't hurt you, unfortunately, in today's world, you or your family could end up getting hurt for it. You know, it doesn't take, you know, much time, much effort at all to make sure that you get these living legals in order. Just do it. Make it a priority and make sure that what your family has as, you know, their relationship is kept solid and what you need to be able to take care of you if something does go wrong is taking care of the pet dogs. So kind of recap your list. Make a list of all the government agencies that you're attached to and make sure you're using the proper forms for them. And get that durable power of attorney, that medical power of attorney, and that directive to physicians, DNR, if you so wish. Those are really important. And most of all, most of all, have those critical conversations with your family on what needs to be done. My name is Angela Robertson with Kennedy Financial Services in the great town of Eastland, Texas. God bless everyone. We pray for you each and every week to stay healthy and happy during these unprecedented times. And uh, may we end out 2020 a great year. Group, LLC.